I'm going to read from Psalm 72, 1 to 20. Give the king thy judgment, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge, my, judge thy people with righteousness, and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the, to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy, and shall break the pieces of the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and the moon endure throughout all generation. He shall come down like rain upon the mowing grass, and showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish, and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him. For he shall deliver the needy when he crieth, the poor also, and him that hath no helper. He will take pity on the weak. He shall spare the poor and the needy, and, and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence, and precious shall their blood be in, in his sight. And he shall live, and to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba, prayer, also shall be made for him to continue, and prayer also shall be made for him continually, and daily shall he be praised. There shall be an handful of corn in the earth upon the, the top of the mountains, and the fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon, and they of the city shall flourish like the grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever, his name shall be continued as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord of blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayer of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. You may be seated. Good morning. Greetings in Christ's name. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all of to the women. Um, yeah, God bless you and your many hours of service for your children. As many of you know, I've been doing a series on end-time events, and yeah, I will be continuing on with that this morning. Sorry, it will not be a Mother's Day message. All through the ages, every man has longed for a golden era, a time where there will be economic prosperity, a time where there will be peace and justice throughout the whole earth, and where there will be no more war. We have seen that in the news recently, where people want justice, and where people want to all get along and have peace with one another. People long for a time of great happiness for everyone, where there is no suffering and sadness, a time where people can live a long life and not die at a young age, and where we can be free from all disease and sickness. It seems like this desire is built within each one of us. People are not the only ones longing for a time like this. Even nature is longing 
for an age like this. In Romans 8 it says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain, to, in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. The creation is groaning because of an undesired circumstances, circumstance and longing for the day when the curse of sin is lifted. Throughout the age, men have tried to bring an age like this through different leaders, but all of them have failed. There is only one person that can and will bring an age like this. That man is Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to speak about the 1,000-year reign of Christ. So what is the 1,000-year reign of Christ? We often refer to it as the millennium. The word millennium means 1,000 years. It is a time when Christ will reign literally on the earth in bodily form for 1,000 years. The Bible talks about this period of time many times throughout the scripture, both in the Old Testament and in the New. And Psalm 72 speaks of the reign of Christ. It is, I think, one of the major themes of the Bible, the reign of Christ. There are many, there are different phrases that the Bible uses to refer to this time. And I'm going to name some of those phrases that the Bible uses. It is referred to as the kingdom of heaven. It is referred to as the kingdom of God. It is referred to as the kingdom. It is referred to as the world to come. It is referred to as the times of refreshing. It is referred to as the period of restitution of all things. It is referred to as the regeneration. It is referred to as the consolation of Israel. And also it is referred to as the redemption of Jerusalem. These different phrases that the Bible gives, gives us a little picture of what the millennium will be like. So when will the 1,000 year reign of Christ happen? There are a couple different views that people think when the kingdom of Christ happens or when yeah, the 1,000 year reign of Christ will happen. Some people would feel that we are in the kingdom of Christ now. They deny the fact that Jesus will reign literally for 1,000 years. They believe that 1,000 years symbolize a long period of time. And that is, it is between the first and the second coming of Christ. And they would believe that Christ returns after the millennium is completely over. They believe that the reign of Christ is only spiritual. That Christ only reigns in our hearts. They believe that the church will bring about the golden era that we long for, that each one of us, all people long for, through the preaching of the gospel to everyone so that this whole world can eventually be Christianized. This is a gradual setting up of the kingdom. When each person is converted, it brings us closer to the golden age. That's what these people would believe. They would believe that when Satan is bound, that that happened at the time of Jesus' death and resurrection. 
in this view, people are the ones that bring about the millennium. People are the ones that makes all things right, that restores all things. That's not what the Bible teaches. Another view is that some people would feel, feel that the kingdom of Christ will happen after Jesus returns to the earth. They believe that Jesus will reign here on the earth in a literally literal bodily presence for a literal thousand years. <clears throat> they believe that Jesus will reign and rule from his earthly throne in Jerusalem over the whole earth. They believe that Christ will establish his kingdom suddenly and with complete power. They believe that Satan will be bound after Jesus returns to the earth for 1,000 years. In this view, it is Jesus and him alone who brings about the millennium. It is him, Jesus, who will make all things right. It is Jesus who will restore all things. We only help him reign, and we will look at that later. So which view is correct? I believe that the second view supports what the Bible teaches. When Jesus' kingdom will be set up here on the earth after the return of Christ. This view takes the Bible literally. For example, in Revelation 20, where it talks about the millennium, the word 1,000 is mentioned six times. If the Holy Spirit has it written six times in the Scripture, and it's such a short amount of time, surely it means 1,000 years that Jesus will be here to reign. In this view of the kingdom, what I describe, God fulfills his promises and his covenants to the house of Israel, while in some of the other views say that God is finished with the Jews. In the millennium, God fulfills his covenant that he made to Abraham and to his descendants. The reign of Christ here on the earth is still future. One way that we can tell that we're not in the millennium, or we're not in the 1,000-year reign of Christ, is that Satan is not bound yet. If we read in the New Testament, some of his activities that Satan is involved with, he is filling people's heart to lie. He is deceiving many people. He's leading people astray. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. He is a stumbling block. He is like a lion seeking whom to devour. Does that sound like he's bound? Does that sound like Satan is bound? I would say not. At the end of the tribulation, there will be only one angel that will lay hold of him, bind him with a great chain, and cast him into the bottomless pit, where he cannot deceive the nations for 1,000 years. So what is the purpose of the millennium? What is the purpose of Christ reigning here on the earth? And I have a couple reasons here. But one is to fulfill the everlasting covenant that God made with his different people. First one that I have here is the covenant that he made with Abraham. Genesis 12, 1 to 3, it says, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house into the land, into a land that I will show thee, and I will make thee of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, 
and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. While some of this covenant is fulfilled, and is being fulfilled, there is still more that needs to happen with what was listed here in Genesis 12. It says, In thee all families of the earth will be blessed. This is fulfilled through the Messiah. And I think Jesus only partly fulfilled that prophecy in blessing families at his first coming, providing salvation. But I think it won't be till the millennium that he will bless all the families of the earth. In Psalm 72, 17 that John read, and like I said, it's a psalm about the millennium. It says, His name shall endure forever. His name shall be, shall be continued as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. And then it says this, All nations shall call him blessed. The word all, all nations shall, be, shall call him blessed. And that is the fulfillment of Genesis 12. In thee all families of the earth will be blessed. <clears throat> Genesis 13 is another um, promise that God made to Abraham. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine hands, thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in thee, in the length of it, and the, in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. This is the promise about the land that God would give Abraham. Also Genesis fifteen eighteen, in the land In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And I showed you the picture last time that I preached about um, the land of Israel and what God will give to um, the Jews. Israel has never had control of all the land that God has promised Abraham. In the millennium, they will have all their land that God promised Abraham. And if you remember, it's a way much bigger picture area than what they have now. Also, God made a covenant with Isaac and Jacob. And we see that in Genesis 26 and 28, God confirmed the Abrahamic covenant in Isaac and Jacob and how he would bless them and how he would multiply his seed. Another person that God made promise to was to David. Turn with me to 2 Samuel um, 7, and I'm going to read from 8 to 16. 2 Samuel 7, reading from 8 to 16. And in this chapter, David wanted to build a house for God. And David, or God, is responding to his request. Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep goat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. 
And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, that made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in, that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more, as before times. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee in house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever. Before thee, thy throne shall be established forever. In, in this chapter here, um, God promised David a house and his kingdom and a throne forever, it says. His house is referring to David's family, that they will be kings forever. This was broken at the time of the captivities, but will continue in the millennium. And the kingdom that it's referring to is, refers to the regathering of the 12 tribes of Israel, the kingdom of Israel. David will rule from, David will rule over Israel, and they will be gathered together. And his throne refers to David becoming king again in the millennium. He will be king over all Israel, and Jesus will be the king of all kings. I want to read from Ezekiel 7, 37, 24. And this chapter is talking about the dry bones coming to life um, which is over the whole house of Israel, which is talking about the whole house of Israel. And it says, And David my servant shall be king over them. In Isaiah 3, 5, it says, Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So we see that David will be king over Israel during the millennium. And if we look at these promises, God said that these covenants are an everlasting covenant. They will last for all of eternity. There is no condition connected with these covenants. God said that he would do it, and so he will. And man was also not required to do something for these covenants, the covenants to come to pass. Another purpose for the millennium is to end all rebellion on the earth so that God may be all and all again as it was before the fall. 1 Corinthians 15, 24-28, it says, Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted. 
which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. This is the whole point of the gospel, to end all rebellion here on the earth, that Jesus can again control the whole world, where all will be made right and become holy. Once Jesus accomplishes that, he will himself be subject to God, even though he will continue on reigning. He will still be king of kings. In other words, he will hand his kingdom over to God when all rebellion is ended. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.10, it says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. The dispensation of the fullness of times is referring to the millennium. Jesus will gather together in one all things unto himself. Another reason for the millennium or purpose of it is to restore a righteous and eternal government on the earth as originally planned. Our government today, while it is what God has put in place, is much to be desired. Even our court systems sometimes does not treat people fairly and justly. During the millennium, Jesus will begin his reign over all the earth. When the Bible talks about Christ's reign, it always refers, I think it always refers to the time when he will reign here on the earth at the time of his return. Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, and peace there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. This is one prophecy that the fulfillment of it stretches over thousands of years. The first part of the verse, verse 6, is, is fulfilled when Jesus came as a baby. But the rest of verse 6 is yet to be fulfilled when he becomes the government, when he is the prince of peace. The government shall be on his shoulders. He will have authority to rule over all the earth. He will be sovereign over all the earth. His rule will be absolute, unlimited, and unrestricted. He is responsible for all judgment and justice. He will also be the Prince of Peace here on the earth during the millennium. What does that mean when he is the Prince of Peace, when he shall be the Prince of Peace? There will be no more war, not even rumors of war. We hear a lot of rumors of war and war. There will be none. This is, like I said, totally the opposite of what we are experiencing today. Isaiah 2.4 says, And he shall judge the nation... And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword and against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. So they're going to put their swords and spears away. 
And they will not study war anymore. They will not learn war anymore. Nations will have peace with each other. Its kingdom will last forever. Unlike the image in Daniel 2 where kingdoms came and went. Jesus' kingdom will stand forever. In Isaiah, Isaiah 11, 3-5, and this is talking about how Jesus will rule, the way he will bring out justice. And it says, And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and the, with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. So how will Jesus not judge? He will not judge by what his eyes see. Neither will he judge by what his ears hear, or the rumors that he hears. And this is the way our courts um, judge, by what people see by what they hear. And sometimes that bring, brings about um, injustice. But how will Jesus judge? He will judge with righteousness. He will judge what is right. Remember what his eyes are like in Revelation. His eyes are like a flame of fire piercing into the heart and finding the intent and motive of the heart. That's the way he will judge during the millennium. He will administer impartial justice. It will not matter if you are rich or poor. Jesus will judge with righteousness. He will be a faithful judge. He will be faithful with his judgment. Sometimes us as parents can struggle with consistency with our, with our children in the way we... Um, handle things. But not Jesus. He will be faithful. Judge. In Daniel 2, 44 to 45, this is another picture of Jesus' kingdom. And this is the image that King Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about. Um, the different kingdoms came and went that rose and fell. And it says, in the, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to another people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. And the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. The kingdom of that Christ will set up is made without hands. There is no one on the face of the earth that can set up his kingdom. It is only by divine hands. It is only done by Jesus Christ. Unlike, unlike all the other kingdoms before, this kingdom will stand forever. It will never be destroyed. This kingdom will consume all the kingdoms before it. It causes all other kingdoms to come to an end. This kingdom shall stand forever. So you may ask, who will be a part of this kingdom? 
he will live in the millennium reign of Christ. One is the Gentile tribulation saints who survived the tribulation. He went through and survived. And I talked about the last time, the judgment of the sheep and the, goat, the goats, how they will be sent, left here on the earth, to live with Christ for 1,000 years. And take note of how um, their bodies and how they are um, in the, these next several groups of people that I will say. For the Gentile tribulation saints, they will not have a resurrected body. They will be able to have children during the kingdom. Another group of people that will survive or that will live through the kingdom is the Jews who survived the tribulation. The Jews who recognized the Messiah and repented, whom God opened a fountain for them. These people will not have their resurrected bodies. They will be able to have children during the kingdom. And we learned about these Jews back in Zechariah 14. Another group of people that will be in the millennial kingdom is those who are martyred for the sake of Christ during the tribulation, those that were killed. These people will have a resurrected body because of death. These people will not be able to have children during the kingdom. Another group of people that will be there is the church will be there because they will be forever with Christ. Like it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, they will have a resurrected body and they will not be able to have, be able to have children during the kingdom. Another group of people is the Old Testament saints. They will be there. They will be resurrected at the end of the tribulation and they will be part of the first resurrection like it says in Revelation 20 and verse 5 to 6. And having children or not in the kingdom depends on if the body is a resurrected body. And the reason why I bring this up about the children is there will, as we will look at that later, is there will be some people that will fall away. They will not follow Christ. And we will look at that in a little bit later. But the, those that have a resurrected body, they will not be the ones to bear children. But those who survive the tribulation, those that are left here on the earth, the reign of Christ, will be able to have children. So what will we do during the millennium? What will we do? The church will be made kings and priests. I think we will help Christ reign on the earth. Um, remember in the power of the ten pounds in Luke 19? I'm going to turn to it, but will not read it. I'll just point out some things. The parable of the ten pounds. Um, there was a king that went to a far country. Um, and he called his servants unto him and gave them ten pounds. And it says, occupy till I come. But then it says his citizens, the Jews, hated him. <clears throat> so these servants that took the pounds, they, um, tried to, they tried to gain more by trading. And when Jesus, when Jesus came back, um, he went to these servants, and it says that the first came saying, Lord, if I pound 
hath gained ten pounds. And the second came, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. But then Jesus says um, that he's going to give them cities. Um, let me see that. Yeah, well, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And he says that for the same for the one that has five. God is going to give um, these servants cities. And I believe possibly this is referring to the millennium. Depending on what we do here on this earth, God will reward us, um, giving us cities to reign over. Maybe we as a church will be scattered throughout the world, being kings over certain cities. So what will the Jews do during the millennium? Exodus 19, 5-6, and this is God speaking to Moses to tell the, that God was to, telling Moses to tell the children of Israel. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure of, unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. I believe possibly some of the promises that God made to the children of Israel will be fulfilled in the millennium, that they will apply to the Jews in the millennium. Notice what it says here. Then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me, and that they shall be above all people. They will be superior over all nations. Will that mean that they are more important than the rest? No, I don't think not necessarily. I think we compare it like the home. The head of the home. And the man is the head of the, of the home. But not that he's necessarily more important by any means. But he has a special role in the home. And possibly that is the same with the Jews. They will have a special role in the kingdom here on the earth. I think the Jews, they will be missionaries. It talks about in Isaiah. They will need to be missionaries. They will be the missionaries during the millennium. And who will they need to be missionaries to? They will need to be missionaries to the people, the children who are born, to those who have not a glorified body. In Isaiah 2, 2 to 3, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established, in the top of the mountains, and, and shall be exalted above the hills. And all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Doesn't that sound like missionary work? Inviting people to come to Jesus. Come ye. And let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. I think the Jews will be missionaries. Another thing that we will be doing, I think life will go on like it is today, except without the curse. And if we stop to think about it, that's a huge deal in our lives. 
But I think, and it talks about it, I think it's um, in Ezekiel, the houses will be built. They will need to be built. And possibly even garage doors will still need to be hung. Farmers will still be farming. They will need to be farming. They will want to be farming. In Isaiah 35, 1 to 2, it says, And notice what will happen to the wilderness and the desert where it is dry. And, you know, we know that the desert, there's no life. It says, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall, re shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. The deserts will blossom abundantly. If this happens in the desert, what will cross be like in Lancaster County or other good farming communities? And I think this is um, one there in Romans 8, like I said, where the creature, the creation groaneth for um, redemption. <clears throat> the curse will be gone from the animal world. There will no longer be a need for cages at the zoo. My daughter went to Philadelphia Zoo this past week. And I think all the animals were in cages. They will no longer need a cage. The lion and the lamb will lie down together. A little child will be able to lead the lion. The animals will have peace with one another. So many of you, or some of you may be wondering, what will happen to those who do not worship Christ, our King? The Bible talks about that they, in their land, will not have any rain. That God will send a plague on them. There will be swift judgment. Remember, Jesus' eyes are piercing. His eyes can see the intent of the heart. There will be swift judgment. They will not be able to get away with sin like people do today. There will be swift judgment. Let's look at the release of Satan at the end of the tribulation, or at the end of the 1,000-year reign. So we know that Satan is released. He'll be loose for a short period of time. So why is he left loose for this time? <clears throat> I believe so, he can, so that he can de deceive the nations. He's left loose. <clears throat> during, the millennium during the millennium, people will be forced to worship the king or else they will be judged. This will be their chance to revolt against the king. Many people will follow after Satan, even in a perfect environment. Even in a perfect environment, people will want to follow after Satan. That speaks something about our heart. Our heart is deceitfully wicked. In a perfect environment, people will want to follow after Satan. <clears throat> And I think it's only the people that are deceived are only the ones that have not received their glorified bodies. We will not have to worry about being deceived during this time. Like I said before, the church 
will be forever with the Lord. They don't have to be worried about being deceived because they'll be forever with the, with the Lord. And a reminder, the reason that Jesus comes to the earth, to reign on the earth, is to end all rebellion. That is why Satan is left loose. So that people, those that are set on following Satan, that Jesus can end all rebellion. And that is what is happening when Satan is left loose. Ending the rebellion. God, as we see in Revelation 2020, God will send fire down on them to, de to destroy them, to devour them. They will not have a chance. The devil will be cast into the lake of fire where the Antichrist and the false prophet are still at. They're still there suffering after the 1,000 years the Antichrist and the false prophet are there, still there suffering, tormented day and night. There's so much that we can, that could be said about the millennium. The Bible is filled with the millennium. Through the Psalms, I was surprised when I was reading up on it. There's so many chapters or Psalms in, in the book of Psalms that speak about the millennium. It is filled in it. But one thing that I'm very thankful for is that God is faithful to his word. He's faithful to faithful to the covenants that he gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to David. And that he will keep his promise to the, at the end of times. Just imagine the promises he made for us. God will keep his promises even for us, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm also looking forward to the day when Jesus will make all things right, when he will restore the earth back to where it was to what it was like in the Garden of Eden. The Bible makes a complete circle. I would encourage each one of us, let's be part of that circle. Let's kneel to pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. Thank you, Lord, that you're coming one day to reign on the earth to be King of kings and Lord of lords. And that you will make all things right, that you will restore all things and bring it back to what it was like in the Garden of Eden. I pray, God, that you would just help us to be faithful to you until you call us home. I pray you just guide and direct us the rest of the day. I also want to pray a special blessing on the mothers. Um, bless them in a special way as they um, raise their children, as they love and nourish them. I pray that you would just guide and direct each one of them. Guide and direct us. Thank you, Lord. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.